Welcome to this week's Wireless Noodle. This week I want to continue the theme of sustainability that I've spoken about in the last couple of episodes, this time with a look at reducing water consumption. Uh, but before that, I want to share some thoughts I had recently about how IoT is not, as many would have it, all about the data. And I want to share a few thoughts about Metaverse and its use for enterprise. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. We industry analysts are probably more exposed than most to cliches about technology. And to be honest, uh, often we're guilty of regurgitating them as well. It's things like people buy solutions, not technology, or uh, digital transformation is not about technology, it's about people and processes, or indeed, think big, start small, move fast. I've had a rant about that as a, as a particularly uh, nonsense uh, term uh, not so long ago, I think maybe even on the podcast, but if not, certainly on uh, the Transforming Insights blog, if you want to take a look at that, I will post links to it on the wirelessnoodle.com website. So far, so banal, uh, but mostly those terms are pretty harmless. I mean, they're fairly obvious. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not. So, so far, as I said, so banal. There's one, however, which is actually actively unhelpful, and that's that IoT is all about the data. And here's a few reasons why that's not the case and thinking that it is may be bad for your IoT project. The first thing to note is the main role of most IoT devices is to be a trigger, sending alerts that are of the most basic kind. Uh, for instance, if a manhole cover has been removed or the temperature of a refrigerated container rises above a particular level or a baby monitor is, is activated. Of course, uh, this is data, even the binary alarm trigger, but it's not data in the meaning of something that can be stored and analysed. It's kind of here today and gone tomorrow, or more accurately probably, here now and gone in seconds. And it's therefore a stimulus for other things. In quite a few cases, it doesn't even really generate much data of its own, being used much more as a mechanism for controlling a device. Connected traffic lights, for instance, don't gather much data. They're more there to control the flow of traffic. Or think of uh, basic electronic shelf labels. In that case, really, it's just a recipient of data. Send information about uh, what the price tags on the shelf labels ought to, ought to say. So in both those examples, the device itself isn't really generating Data, it's on the receiving end of, of, of data, if anything. There's also instances where further processing of data wouldn't really be appropriate or desirable. You think of the example of a child tracker. Do you really want anybody subsequently doing post-event processing of that, of that data associated with where a child has been moving? Absolutely not. In fact, in a lot of these cases, thinking about it as just the trigger of a, an event 
trigger an alarm is not necessarily even even the right way of thinking about it. It's actually is the initiator for some kind of business process change or or outcome, but not necessarily data. Now, that's not to say that in plenty of IoT use cases, there isn't also the opportunity to gain some benefit from the exhaust data. I think of, well, one example might be washing machine manufacturers using data from uh, usage in the real world to adapt its design to reflect those usage patterns or a car manufacturer trading aggregated vehicle position information on a on a data exchange. The clue there, though, is in the fact that this is exhaust data. It's a corollary to the main reason for deploying the device. I.e. the device is deployed to do something and there's some data which comes off the back of it and that might be useful for some other subsidiary purpose. Another thing to think about, there's a big category of devices, of IoT devices, which involve consumer media consumption. That might be connected car infotainment, it might be media players, it might be connected TVs, connected cameras, much more. In the same way that the shelf labels or the traffic lights are recipients of largely one-way traffic, so too are these media devices. Of course, someone somewhere is probably tracking the media consumption of a particular user, but that's an extremely marginal element of the utility associated with it. These devices account for around 30% of all IoT devices and certainly a far larger proportion of, in inverted commas, data. But this isn't data that's there to be analysed. So we thought it'd be interesting to do a segmentation of the IoT use cases in the Transformer Insights IoT Forecast database. And doing that, we estimate that less than half, 46%, of IoT devices really generate data that's worth analysing. The remainder is either not really generating data that can or should be analysed, that's 15%, or deals with the consumption of media, that's 39%. Now, the proportion creating analysable data will creep up over our forecast period out to 2030 to reach about 51%, but still, it's a blend, 50-50 with devices that that have analysable data versus those that don't. And it's worth bearing in mind that the half of IoT devices producing data that can be analysed isn't necessarily going to deliver a huge amount of value through being analysed. Take the cases of applications like smartwatches or home weather stations, printers, ATMs, car payment terminals, assisted living solutions, bike sharing schemes, industrial monitoring, or any other of a number of different applications. They all produce analysable data, but it's a moot point how valuable it would be to actually do so. It's also questionable how valuable the data is for analytics, given there may well be substitutable data that can be used for the same purpose. To be truly valuable, IoT data needs to be unique, and often it isn't. For the most part, their value is also ostensibly in the main use case, not in the nebulous data analytics layered on top of them. Another thing to think about is that the increasing prevalence of AI and edge computing means that a lot of data won't make it out of the device at all, meaning no potential for exhaust data analysis off device. In an effort to speed up processing time, many IoT deployments will increasingly rely on AI and other data processing performed on the device itself, with minimal requirement for delivering data volumes back to a server. This, of course, helps keep down the cost of connectivity 
where a device relies on the public network to connect, for instance, a, a mobile network. With the arrival of edge computing and AI, IoT devices are increasingly becoming closed loop systems where the device receives input from sensors, processes information based on certain rules, potentially using machine learning, and acts accordingly. In most perfectly functioning IoT systems, there will be very little data. Now, that does raise the question, or all of this raises the question. Why would it be a problem for organisations to believe that the value of IoT does lie overwhelmingly in the data? Well, the main issue is that it will potentially hold back deployment. The implication is that success in IoT depends on actively doing something with data in terms of ingestion, storage, management, monetization, etc. This can be quite intimidating and may well delay deployments. The obsession with data may also result in adopters making wrong choices about technologies. If you, if you believe that all the value of IoT is in the data, you would tend to opt for delivering all data from your IoT device back into the cloud or similar. This is highly inefficient. It's costly in data traffic and storage charges and leads to much higher latency in applications, meaning probably a lower performance. These approaches also encourage the adoption of suboptimal technologies. We've previously discussed the benefits of thin IoT, variously network technologies, protocols, operating systems, and so forth that can be aimed at optimally supporting IoT deployments in constrained environments. These tend to be cheap and effective ways of connecting IoT devices but seeking to process and or transport much larger volumes of data means a different choice of technologies, overwhelmingly more expensive ones. It also generates more data to be processed and stored and backed up in the cloud, which isn't good from a sustainability perspective. More on sustainability soon. In most IoT use cases, the majority of the value derives from the mere act of connecting the thing, doing that cheaply and efficiently has a much better ROI than trying to find mechanisms for monetizing large volumes of data that can only be harvested using technologies that push up the price of deployment. Back in April, we at Transformer Insights published our first stab at identifying the impact of the metaverse on enterprises. In the last two years, we've seen significant activities in this virtual space known as the metaverse. Never know quite whether to give it a capital M or a lowercase m, whether to put it in inverted commas or not. But we'll go for the lowercase m because it's not really a proper noun. There should be multiple of them. And we'll go with maybe within inverted commas while we're still thinking about uh, whether it really is a term makes much sense. But anyhow, I digress. Uh, Facebook, for instance, changed its name to Meta. Uh, we've had things like Microsoft and NVIDIA partnering with multiple enterprises for metaverse applications. We've seen the likes of JP Morgan, Gucci and Nike purchasing space in Decentraland to sell their products virtually. Uh, driven by AR and artificial intelligence technologies, supported by high bandwidth and low latency networks, metaverse is likely to be an extension of AR VR with significant potential for enterprise applications and benefits in future. And that was what we set out to look at. What are those potential opportunities for enterprises associated with this use of AR and VR, immersive environments, um, and uh, that, all that complemented by AI, potentially the use of distributed ledger and so on. 
In the report, we examined the development stages of the metaverse as an element of Web 3.0 and the increasing investments in the space. Uh, the report defines enterprise use cases for metaverse and its corresponding benefits across multiple dimensions. Those could be internal versus external, i.e. are you using it for your own internal purposes as an organisation, for employees to do training or whatever, or are you using it externally as a mechanism for selling or providing customer care to your, to your customers? Is it aimed at people or processes? Is it a mechanism for you to talk to your customers or is it a way to uh, simulate in a sort of digital twin style your enterprise processes? Is it about uh, real time versus hypothetical versus historical processes? People using this in real time? Or are you using it as a way of uh, doing scenario planning, scenario modeling, wargaming for certain situations? Or is it uh, historic processes? Are you looking at historical data? There's, a, there's nuances to how, how, uh, how this kind of total immersion uh, can work. The report goes on to further explore in detail examples of how metaverse might be applied across various industrial verticals and recommends ways in which enterprises can benefit from the emerging concept. And how do we see it benefiting from, from those concepts? Well, today it's still a nascent cluster of technologies, but it is set to make its presence felt across a number of different industry verticals serving different dimensions. And I talked about some of those dimensions, internal, external, people versus process, and, and so on. The most popular enterprise applications or use cases of Metaverse include the launch of new collaboration tools uh, for customer interaction, for operational virtualization, and for mixed reality. Furthermore, it can be used for interaction with processes and systems as an extension of that digital twin concept. Metaverse got a number of horizontal use cases that are applicable across most verticals, including customer care and collaboration. There's also numerous use cases specific to verticals, for instance, in manufacturing, uh, i.e. for the purpose of, stim of simulating production facilities uh, or autonomous vehicles or robotic applications and quality assurance, or in mining, to provide real-time information on mining operations or st to substitute for workers in harsh environments and remote driving of large mining equipment. For retail, virtual retail outlets, product demonstrations, immersive branding experiences, in transportation for intelligent transport systems, in vehicle VR, entertainment systems, AR-based solutions for warehouse workers and so forth. And finally, in the finance and insurance vertical for, vertical, uh, for virtual customer care, sales, NFTs, and cryptocurrency. So overall, there are some very interesting potential use cases, nothing that we see as a killer application for Metaverse, but lots of use cases where this combination of AR, VR, AI, IoT potentially has some significant opportunities for enterprise. Do we need to attach the tag of metaverse to it? Almost certainly not, but that does seem to have been the, the term that's, that's grabbed the headlines. And finally, as they say on all the best news programs, 
Another little extract from our report on how enterprises can use disruptive technologies, particularly IoT, to meet their sustainability goals. Specifically, in this instance, we're looking at water savings, something that everyone's focused on a bit recently with high temperatures around the world. The most significant impact on water consumption is through agriculture, through smart grid, specifically smart water grid, and smart building solutions. Agriculture solutions include crop management and drones to monitor the humidity and temperature of soil and identify correct levels of water required to maintain crops. On average, irrigation management systems and soil monitoring reduce water consumption by something like 25 to 30 percent. Quite a significant impact. Soil probes can also provide information on which sections of a field need more or less water, allowing farmers to automate, control and schedule irrigation timing and duration. On average, these kinds of solutions can reduce water consumption by 15 to 30 percent. But some organisations have experienced water savings as high as 70 to 75 percent. Considering that agriculture is often the largest consumer of freshwater reserves in a country and 50 percent of water used in irrigation is wasted, these savings can have a significant impact on a country's overall water sustainability. For instance, an avocado farmer in California saved 75% in water usage and cost by monitoring soil condition. In Chile too, implementation of remote sensors in fields has reduced the volume of water used by 70% in one example. Now, in addition to the above, integrating sensors in water tanks to monitor levels remotely and taking appropriate action can also reduce water overflowing cases. Smart water meter solutions, another good way of reducing water consumption, specifically by enabling changed consumer behaviour resulting from frequent monitoring and increased awareness. On average, smart water meters across both residential and commercial can reduce water uses by 6 to 9%. Turning to smart buildings, here we can see around 10% reduction in water consumption by installing just water flow monitoring devices. Other areas where we can see savings include some quite obscure ones, but actually quite impactful, such as if you reduce vehicle usage, you reduce the amount of car washing necessary. Now, this might seem like a marginal use case, but the Volvo Mobility Car Service Survey reported 3.8 million litres of water savings due to fewer car washes in Stockholm in one year. It's quite substantial. Also, drone solutions with soil sensing technologies can also help to reduce water consumption by something like 15 to 20%. Lots of examples of where water can be saved. As ever, a link to the report is provided on the wirelessnoodle.com website as well as a link to getting hold of a sample of the report specifically focused on smart buildings. Just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd be obliged if you could leave a review. It's much appreciated. A quick plug now for the events we'll be at in the next few months and very much looking forward to. If you'll be at the Industry of Things World in Berlin, the IoT Tech Expo in Amsterdam, the Things Conference in Amsterdam, Mobile World Congress Las Vegas, or the IoT Tech Expo in Santa Clara, let me know. All of those are in September and early October. 
a link to our events page showing where we'll be speaking and sometimes on what topic is posted on the wirelessnoodle.com page. And another request, a repeat of one that I made a few weeks ago, the request relates to 2G and 3G switch off. And specifically, the request is to hear from anyone who's been through a 2G or 3G switch off process themselves. We want to hear about experiences from real world customers. So if you know of anyone who's been through one or you are someone who has, I'd love to speak with you. It can be completely anonymous and we're happy to share results of the findings of the research. Next week, I'll be talking a bit about work we did on benchmarking the capabilities of different service providers in the digital transformation space. You may recall that we did this for the cloud hyperscalers a while back, and we extended it over the course of the last year to include consultancies and industrial-focused organisations. And I'll also talk a bit about whether communication service providers ought to spin out their IoT business units. I hope you can join me. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com. That's transformer with an A.